buckle up. This is one of the most inspiring episodes ever recorded on the Training for Ultra podcast. I just, you know, was was that race DNF and all worth it? This note made that- made it all worthwhile. The most amazing experience of my life. And one of those times was like right after I had been vomiting and I was asking God, like, why? Why do I have to keep vomiting? Please, can you just take it easy on me? And I looked out and saw the most incredible sunset. Well, hello there, everybody. This is Andrea Coyman on with Bob Becker and the amazing Rob with Training for Ultra. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? I decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. I'm into it. Okay. To feel the pain of running for a long time. Welcome to episode 212 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. We have a super inspiring episode. You've heard from Andrea. You've heard from Bob before. This episode, it's just inspiring. I'm going to leave it short and sweet and let you enjoy it. But the end of this episode, it's almost impossible not to get somewhat emotional about what transpired and I'm just really thankful for Andrea and Bob sharing their experiences at Badwater along with Hard Rock and just being open and honest and it was an amazing conversation. Big shout out to you Patreon supporters. You've heard this episode, you get a sneak peek at most of my episodes. Couldn't do this without you guys. Really appreciate your support. Big shout out to Exoskin If you haven't already, check out their toe socks, regular socks, compression gear. It's all super high quality. Check out the show notes for the best coupon available for Exoskin. They've been a huge supporter of everything I do. Big shout out to Tannery Outdoors. As runners, we spend a lot of time outdoors in the sun. It's important that we're protecting our skin. Tannery offers clean sun care products like SPF lip balms, mineral sunscreen, thereafter sun restorative moisturizer tannery just launched a new product which is their traditional sunscreen this leaves zero white cast and similar to the mineral sunscreen in that is sweat resistant and packaged from recycled materials this is a great company high quality products definitely check them out check out the show notes for a coupon code for tannery outdoors welcome both of you, Andrea, Bob, it's great to be able to catch up. It's been probably just over a year, right? It's been one year. I was looking at the notes and we are, I think we're in for a new tradition of an annual discussion. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a year older and a year wiser, right? Um, older, the wiser we could debate about on this call. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, so for the listeners' background, last time we had these two on was Andrea and I had paced and crewed bad water. So we shared some of that, but mostly we wanted to hear about Bob's background running and the persistent guy Bob is. What did you do this year, Bob? Did you try, you you keep trying this bad water thing, right? Yeah, it's sort of a, it's sort of a disease. It's, you know, like my own version (laughs) of COVID, the private COVID thing. That's what it is. Yeah, Yeah, no, I, um, I, (laughs) I, I love Badwater as as a race as a community. Um, this is act. This was actually my fifteenth year in a row being out there doing something, either wow. running or crewing for somebody or uh, working on Chris's staff just to be part of the race. And um, yeah, I just it um, I, it's just a it's something I look forward to every year. Yeah, well, and this year I went back to uh, last I'm sorry. year when we had the discussion with Bob, it was because at the time he was going after the record to be the oldest male finisher of Badwater. Um, and the race did not go as planned in 2021. So we went, he went back this year. And I think the reason we're all on this year is because we're calling this the DNF episode. I mean, although you, although you finished, but Right. It's, well, but it's definitely- that that's a good teaser. Let's wait, wait, Andrea, hold back, hold back, and then and then Bob, I'm I'm gonna lean on you for some questioning on Andrea and and what she's talking about with DNFs. Andrea, what race did you do this year? What'd so you go after? Summer, I had Hard Rock 100, which is the reason I wasn't at Badwater this year because the start of Hard Rock was four days after the start of Badwater. So I was feverishly hitting, you know, refresh, 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 and looking for every possible social media post to track my friends, um, including, you know, Bob, because I just so was it like, just, I was fully invested in his journey and to be the, you know, the oldest finisher of the race. I think we kicked this off. Andrea, feel free. You're co-hosting with me and, and Bob, likewise, when we talk to Andrea about her race. But Bob, I mean, give us some background on this year's Badwater, why it was important, 15th time in a row. I can see how you get addicted to this race. I It killed me not being able to make it out there this year. I, I absolutely love that course, the community. It, it's an awesome awesome event but tell us more about this year 2022 bad water um what what you were trying to go after sure i i'll um, give you a little little background if i if i can um the 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 current record for the oldest finisher was set in 2010 by a brit uh, named jack Deness uh in the days when you had 60 hours to finish the race and jack finished it in 59 hours and 13 minutes and I remember being at the finish line with a lot of other people cheering him in, and it was really exciting. Um, and at that time, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if it would be remotely possible to one day do something like that, to be able to, you know, actually continue running into my old age and, you know, shoot for a record like that. So um, that was on my mind for a long time. And um, three years ago, when I turned 75, um, I thought, you know, I, I think I want to focus on 
training and getting back into Badwater and trying to beat Jack's record. Um, and with a little twist, which is now you only have 48 hours to finish, not 60. Which is so, a big difference. I mean, that is, that's not just a couple hours. I mean, that's almost a, another day. I mean, that's inc- so different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a different proposition. There's no question about it. But, you know, my three previous Badwater finishes were all right around 40 hours. And I felt pretty confident that I had the ability to do it if the stars aligned and everything else. So, of course, in, in 2020, there was, there was no race because of COVID. But I got into the race last year, and as we know from having talked about it, um, I did not have a good race. The problem for me was um, I did not properly balance my electrolytes and and hydration and wound up with severe calf cramping like um, Charlie horsing at about mile 42 or 43. You hit that crazy and, uh, headwind. By the time I ran. Right? I'm sorry? The, the crazy headwind. I, I remember talking to you before the race and there was that massive storm blowing in i don't know if you remember that but that was wild yeah no absolutely the the, yeah right at the start the first 18 hours we had this very heavy duty headwind with dust sand dust in our face and it was totally dehydrating never mind all the extra energy it took so yeah that didn't help but whatever the specific cause um I, i you know it took me over an hour and a half to recover and by the time i get back on the road I missed the 50-mile cutoff, so I was done. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try one more time and see if I can come back and see if I can get in the race in 2022 and seek my revenge. And, you know, that's what I did. I worked really hard to uh, deal with the likelihood of cramp- cramping again. So I worked really hard on the whole electrolyte thing and, in fact, did not have any cramping issues this year. Can I ask um, you the the previous record you said it was 2010 for for the oldest finisher male right was it 2010 and forgive my lack of knowledge i'm still a relative newbie was that the same course yes the same course it's uh, i've been out there since 2007 and except for one year because of uh, issues with the park service uh, it's always been the same course yes and so but what you're but what you're asking Rob is they weren't this wasn't when they were making you summit to the top of Mount Whitney right you're talking that yes that the- plus I mean there's some different changes to like the start times but but more importantly yes going all the way to the top yeah so this this course record was ending at the portal exactly where Bob and I have finished and remind us uh, us weak memories as to what that finish time was 59 59 13 59 13 okay correct and I'll let you continue I want to hear about this year and how how you're feeling signing up at age 77 for bad water I mean I'm gonna hold back I, I don't want to jump the gun on anything I want to hear more background well uh, you know I don't want to be uh foolish and say age is just a number but you know you <laughs> you adjust your training and um, you adjust your realistic expectations for finish time and so on uh, based on you know your age and condition and the kind of training you're still able to do right so uh, you know I didn't expect a 40-hour finish well I shouldn't even say that I did a best case worst case scenario and had everything worked perfectly um, I think I could have finished under 40 hours but uh it, and my worst case was about 44 hours. But what happened was we did not have any headwind at the start, which was great. 
I didn't have any issues with um, with cramping, which was also great. But virtually from the start, I had issue. I had blister issues on my feet, which I almost never have. It was the weirdest thing in That's the world. That's very surprising, huh? Yeah, oh, totally, right? And uh, I'm still wearing the same type of shoes I always wear. It was just very strange. Was but, the road hot? Like, I don't understand. Um, you know, it's always hot, right? It was uh, it was 122 degrees not long before the start, but it, it you know it's always crazy hot. So, I, I Rob, I don't know what the cause was, but I had blisters across the ball, my both feet, um, and so that's what I started with. And you know whether that changed my gait a little bit or not, I really don't know. But you know, I just worked through that and I kept going. And at roughly mile 90 or so, um, I I had a muscle spasm in my back. And my back occasionally will give me a little difficulty, but, but nothing like this. And what happened was between that point in the race and the finish line, um, I, it, it kept getting more serious. And by that, I mean that I started leaning and then increasingly leaning to the point that when I was on, uh, on the Mount Whitney portal road, probably, I don't know, four or five miles from the finish line, I was virtually bent over in half. I mean, I was like, uh, I joked that I was trying out for the part of a question mark in Hollywood movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and you know, for anybody that wants to see, they can go back to um, Badwater Instagram, and there's you know there's some video up and um, of you coming across the finish line with the lean, the Leaning Tower yeah. of, mm-hmm. of Bob Whitney. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to call it. <laughs> the question mark's the best. I can't top that. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, really, I was at a, I was at a right angle. I was I, I was looking at directly at the ground. I couldn't look up. I didn't know where I was going. And every once in a while, I'd stop and ask my crew to try to straighten me up so I could just look ahead and figure out where I was. It was very odd. But um, and what what happened? It, it continued things to <laughs> continued to deteriorate. My my legs wouldn't work. So I'd take fifteen or twenty steps or so, and literally, I couldn't get my legs to go any further. So I'd kind of stop and gather myself for, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure about the time, maybe it was 15, 20 seconds, I don't know, and then I'd be able to do another 15 steps or so. Um, and at some point, I actually had the, the race medical director, Dr. Megan Dell, was alongside me for most of that finish, I think, to make sure that I, that I was uh, lucid and that I wouldn't cause any permanent issues, and, and, and I was, it was muscular, I mean, I was okay, and she realized that, and that was fine, but at one point, I said to her, to break up the muscle monotony, can I do like a bear crawl? Can I get down on all fours and move forward a little bit that way? Um, and she thought about it and she said, well, the, the, you have to get to the finish line under your own power. I don't know right, anything that right. would prevent you from doing that. I so, mean, you could have rolled, I think. Well, it's such a <laughs> at that point, darn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, rolling uphill, I, that would have been a new thing. But <laughs> That would have been a new thing. Yeah. But were, were yeah. you able to do that? Yeah, no, I absolutely did. So I wound up uh, literally on all fours for a while, you know, for a little while. And then I'd stand up and walk a little bit. And I alternated wow. for a little while. So and um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead, Rob. I, what, what's going through your head? I, I, in my own version of the world, if I were in your condition, my brain would be blank. I would just be out of desperation, trying to finish. But I've never experienced putting 100% 
out there. It, it seems like you literally had spent a hundred percent of yourself to get to the finish line. Is are are there thoughts running through your head other than like this is the weirdest thing ever? Like, I mean, what's going through your head? Because yeah, well, I, I mean, it's amazing. All of, all, all of the above, and I was trying to. Uh, you know, in a sense, distract myself. And I mean, I was totally, like I said, I was totally lucid. And what was really incredible was that not only was my crew right there to support me, but there were just a ton of other people there that, because I didn't expect, that were there to cheer me on. And they were, it was like my own cheering squad. And so not only was I in, absolutely insistent on not not finishing for myself, but hey, I couldn't let the gang down, right? And uh, yeah. one of them had a they were driving by where there was room and playing uh, uh, some loud music, and uh, the, the music actually helped. And people, it, it was just absolutely a crazy scene. So I was trying to distract myself in some ways to just keep moving. And I remember thinking at one point, I mean, this will tell you how silly it got. At one point, I'm uh, I'm doing this bear crawl on all fours, and I'm thinking my my old trainer Jeff, if he had been there, he would have been yelling at me for my lousy form, yelling, "Get your ass down." You know, I mean, that was just anything I could think of. I would so be- were, were people telling you about the time for the finish? Was that going through your head at all? Yes. Yes. Because it, it seemed- was. And, you know, okay. I was well ahead of schedule and doing doing well. And even with the difficulty with my back, I still had plenty of time. Um, had this total, you know, back issue and leg issue not happen. Plenty of time to finish within 48 hours. But as we were getting closer, people were telling me how much time there was left, and I was asking. And it reached a point where I knew I was not going to make the cutoff, but I was so close that I decided to continue to finish anyway. And as it turned out, I was 17 minutes and some seconds beyond the 48-hour limit, um, which, which probably mean, would have been even more frustrating. That is amazing. That is – you crushed – you crushed the previous time. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Andrea. Yeah, well, it, it was close, but you know, no cigar. I did not finish within the official right. time. So, right. how do you? Uh, you know, I did not break the record. It, how it, how do you feel about that? Because that I literally I posted, and I'm like, technically, this isn't right. So I had to actually take a post down. I still think it is the most inspirational ultra running effort of the entire 2022 season and maybe top 10 ever, ever, ever. (laughs) I mean, I I have to say from, you know, the person that was not there in person watching it unfold online, you know, checking in and getting updates from people that were, you know, there, I was on the edge of my seat, just watching it all play out. And when you cross that finish line, I mean, I celebrated the fact that you crossed and at the time I didn't realize that you hadn't made it in the, in the time, you know, required. It just, it didn't, you know, I was just still celebrating the fact that you made it there. Same here. Like, you know, facing everything. I mean, the first time I ever saw the lean, the ultra lean was at Badwater back in 2013. I'd never seen anything like it before. I didn't even know what it was. I was just completely dumbfounded and just, I couldn't believe that athletes would continue on when they're leaning over sideways. And Bob, yours was so extreme. 
when I saw you cross, I'm like, this man is an absolute beast. Like, seriously, the most motivating thing I've ever seen. In Scott, Scotty Mills for me personally, Western States. I'm newer than you are, Andrea. I'm not old school. Like, yeah. Well, I'm, that, I mean, I'm Scotty not Mills lean. Bob, you crushed it, bud. <laughs> yes. Yes. I got. I got the trophy for the biggest, baddest, bad water lean ever, right? <laughs> you, you apt, I mean... Chris should make a trophy for it, like, question mark. Yeah. Oh, how funny would that be if the statue was, like, leaning to the side, not standing up? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bob, Bob how, do you, how do you feel, though? How, how, what, is, what is, when you finish, you're like... Because you and Chris are buddies, like, what... What's going through your head? Like, are you thinking of this as a DNF? Are you thinking of this as you just finished the most epic thing maybe the ultra running world's ever seen? Like, what are you thinking? Well, I won't go that far, but I, I, will. I guess it's a combination. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. First of all, I, I'm a race director also. And it, there's, there's always an issue at the finish line when there's a cutoff and somebody comes in a minute and a half after the cutoff. And you have, you know, a million people saying, oh, give them a buckle, give them an official finish. And, and you can't do that because if you allow somebody with a minute and a half late, then the next year it's four minutes late. The next right. year it's seven minutes That's late. Right. Where do you cut it off? So if it, if I was totally second, you know, it's it is what it is. Everyone knows. Yeah, what That's it is right. OK. In. Yeah. So at, at the finish line, um, uh, Chris had it. Chris Cosman, the race director, had to get down to the after party, which I totally understand. So Luke Way was there to kind of greet me at the finish line, and he was, you know, very sheepishly said, I'm sorry, I have the worst job ever. I can't give you a finisher's buckle. And I said, I didn't earn a finisher's buckle. Don't worry about it. And there were a lot of people that were, that were yelling and screaming and saying, you, sh- you deserve a buckle. And I, you know, I had to argue with them, and, and, and since the race, same thing. I, I, you know, I did not finish in time. Um, the consolation for me, very frankly, I, I've had an incredible amount of feedback, and a lot of, I mean, so many comments posted online. It's crazy. And I inspired a lot of people. That's that's what came back to me. And that alone, if I can inspire people to try a little harder and get their grandma off the sofa to get out there and walk a little bit, then, you know, that's that's cool. That's enough for me. You know, you can, you can I love do it. a lot more sometimes than you, than you think you can. You, you, you're inspiring more than grandma. Like every, like if you're just a runner, in general, that was the fact, and, and part of me is jealous, you put out 100% of yourself to get to the finish line. Yeah, you, you came up short 17 minutes, but relatively speaking, I mean, you blew the cover off the ball like compared to the previous record. And I, I'm seriously, I, I think it's the top 10 most inspiring finishes ever and i say finishes quote unquote but to see someone lay out a hundred percent is beautiful i i I appreciate that and i'll I'll tell you what chris cosman did which was very kind is the um the if you go to the website and you look at the records page uh of course jack dennis is still there as the record holder as he should be but what he did was he Made a made a note there that that Jack broke the record or did set the record during the sixty hour period of this race during those years, and then he put he listed me there as basically an honorable mention for the forty eight hour thing. So 
Yes, even though it's I not official, you know, I'm there. So that I, I think that is, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one thing I, I know about Chris too, after, after years of being out there, you know, crewing the race, pacing the race, running the race, and then, um, you know, just working with him. He is a very, very fair race director. He's, he's a stickler for rules. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he wants you to follow the rules. He has a lot of things at stake if people aren't following the rules. So he wants you to follow the rules. But he he is fair. And he is all about celebrating the victories of of everybody, you know, from from all different walks of life. And I just I love that about him. And I think that that is a great way to honor the fact that you really did break the record just not officially based under the non, the new rule set. So, well, I, I go agree. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and it, you know, that that's enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it's fine. Can I, yeah. can I ask not about you, Andrea, or you, Bob? I think one of the most controversial things I could pro- probably bring up, Ashley Paulson's finish, are there any thoughts there? Because I've heard from really great sources, I've I've heard both arguments. Like I've heard people say that she just ran an amazing race, and and yes, she had been flagged previously, but this was amazing. And I've heard the total opposite. Like, do yeah, you do so either? I- you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean. Okay have an opinion on it i mean i wasn't there to to witness what went down but when i saw her finish i was so impressed and thought this is amazing and immediately you know liking every post and and then i started seeing all of the stuff come up and i was like what the heck is all this drama and then i was reading everything and at the end of the day could someone cheat at badwater yes someone could cheat at badwater someone can truly cheat really at any race if they want to but the deal is, is if she were to cheat at Badwater in the way that they claim she would have had to cheat, her whole crew would have had to, had to be in on it. And I just don't see that happening. <laughs> I just don't. And I just think she's a, a talented athlete. I think it's sad that her victory was so bashed and that she was under such fire for it. But unfortunately, the moment you have, uh, you know, like a check mark against you, people are going to question but after everything I've read and seen, I think she got it. I think she got it fair and square. I think people need to just—it's like ultra running in the modern, the modern world. It's like yeah. everyone's a critic, and like I yeah. honestly, I haven't even had time to fully analyze it. But the person that reached out to me that said this person legit like they analyzed their GPS file and stuff was like, I actually don't see anything incorrect here. And this is a person that has probably more publicly than most actually called out someone in the past for cheating. So I, I put a little bit more respect to their opinion just because they literally as publicly as you can call out someone has, has done so in the past, but they said she, she might've done it legit. Like, uh, I, I don't see any issues. Bob, how do you yeah, deal I, with this? I mean, how do you think about it? Um, I, I wasn't close enough to <laughs> really to have any kind of a firsthand opinion, but 
Um, in addition to everything you're saying about the crew would have to be in on it and everything else, um, you know, there's this marathon, like, uh, undercover group, and that's not the correct word, but they, they check out these things. There's actually a group oh, that yeah, does Oh, yeah, a marathon that. investigation. Exactly, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and they gave, her, gave it a clean bill of health, okay? And as Chris said, he had 50 volunteers out there, people driving up and down the course all day, all night, um, and they could come upon any runner anytime, and no one ever saw anything other than a really fast, consistent uh, performance. And uh, that's what he says. And, you know, short of any smoking gun, and there sure as hell hasn't been one, hey, she did it, and good for her. That, I, that's, I, that's my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think it's it's kind of unfair to be guilty until proven innocent, right? Yeah. Like, I think our whole society, at least in the U.S., is built on the opposite well, I mean, that's just the world of social media. You know, the social the social media is just so easy to come to quick judgment and post what you want. And you can say things anonymously. You can, you know, completely bash someone behind, you know, to be a keyboard warrior is a, is a very empowering thing for people nowadays, you know, but it doesn't, there's no substance behind it. It's just, it's sad. I think a lot of people that were making a lot of judgments had never been there and it's so easy to, to place blame. So, and you know, I thought... I thought Chris handled it very well, and, and uh, you know, congratulations to her. for. for Regardless her. how you feel on this topic, hit that five-star review. We, we don't want a one-star review. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, don't legit, I've, I've lived that exactly what you just said. Um, all right. Bob, do you want to kick off? Can you kind of interview Andrea? I, I'm interested to hear your perspective on on asking questions on her hard rock because I personally see Badwater 135, I quote unquote hardest, I kind of put in a category of hardest hundred mile road ultras in the world. And I put hard rock in the category next to UTMB hardest trail hundred quote unquote in the world. Um, that's what I think is beautiful about this interview, honestly. Um, and, and, Speak your opinion if you disagree with that. But Bob, o- open up a few questions with Andrea and, and about her Hard Rock Hundred. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And for somebody who lives in Florida and is a total flatlander, um, I I, it, I couldn't even imagine doing a race like that at that altitude. Um, how do you you know how do you train for it? I mean, here I don't even have any hills, never mind altitude. But. Um, <laughs> You know, Andrea lives, you know, does not live at 12,000 feet. No, I'm in California, fellow Flatlander here. Yeah, I mean, I, so before any, before anything else, I, my admiration for you for giving that a shot is huge, believe me. So you got into this race. How did you train for it? And did you, were you out there or out in the mountains at all, spending any time before the race? Yeah. So, you know, Hard Rock 100 has been one of these, you know, iconic races that you kind of put on your bucket list and something that's really difficult that you want to challenge yourself to something that's out of your comfort zone. Well, altitude has always been, you know, out out of my comfort zone. When I ran Leadville back in 2013, because I was trying to get qualifiers for for Badwater, I DNF my first time at Leadville and the altitude just took me out of the game. But at that time, I went in completely green and had done nothing to help with altitude. I, I finished Leadville in 2016, um, and I've done other races at altitude since then, but nothing 
nothing like hard rock. I mean, this is always over 10,000, climbing up over 13,000 a couple times, and then over a 14er in the middle of the race. So I knew that I, I couldn't show up with just my grit and stubbornness. I, I knew that I'd need to do more to prepare, you know, like you're not just going to strong, strong brain yourself into this one. So um, I spent a lot of time in the Eastern Sierras. So um, driving to Lone Pine for me is only about a four, four hour drive. Um, so I'd head over to Lone Pine. I did Mount Whitney three times. Um, I did Langley one time. I did a nice long 40 mile training run up in that area. And then I was sleeping in an altitude tent for um, mm. a full month prior to the race. Dang. So, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So I, you know, I had a talk with my husband. I'm like, hey, look, you know, <laughs> this is kind of going to suck a little bit. But, you know, we we decided that the, the best thing to do was for me to sleep in the guest room because. The oh, was I was hoping you'd sleep yeah, next to you. You know, because, ah. you know, by the time we set up the contraption, it's like the chamber is pretty big and so when I put it on the bed, it like mooched into his side. He would have been super uncomfortable. And then it's, it's loud. It like it makes this kind of humming noise. And anyway, it's, it's a, it's a production. They even have in the manual something that says, you know, in the warnings, one of the warnings is like, <laughs> it's not good for relationships. <laughs> You need to send me a picture of that so I can share it. Yeah, It's hilarious. So, you know, but we had that talk and it's like, you know, he, he and I talked about what it was going to take to get me to this race. And it was, I'm not going to show up to this race half ass. This race is so hard to get into. And, you know, they, it's just, it's disrespectful when there's so many people that want to take this start line for me to show up, not fully prepared and so True. that wasn't just love it. an altitude tent that meant like hey if i have to get away for three days because i need altitude training and you know and we have a daughter that has you know all kinds of plans and schedules that means you're gonna have to pick up the the weight there at the house and he was like i fully support you in this journey and i i whatever you tell me you need to do we will find a way to make it work and honestly if, if he had not said that, I think I would have pulled myself off the wait list. It was in, it was in May that I looked at him and I said, I really need to pump it up. And I need to know that you're as dedicated as I am to this. And he was all, all about That's it. amazing. That's great. Yeah. But uh, you know, he didn't, it, he didn't come with me to Colorado for the race, but I had everything I needed leading into it to prepare. Can I, can I throw in a quick question, Bob? Was it same for you with heat training? Were you that committed to heat training or are the keys just, do they just make it natural? Uh, no, I was committed. I mean, I live here in South Florida where it's really hot and hot and humid. But, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the silly statement, it's different kind of heat. I mean, it is. So I did two things. One, I spent quite a bit of time in a sauna here, dry sauna. Yeah. Um, so you're and committed. The other thing I did was I did go out to, um, to Death Valley to spend a long weekend and I did back to back 30 milers. Uh, one from before Furnace Creek to Stovepipe, and then from Stovepipe to the top of Town Pass. So I had some wow. hill, hill work yeah. in as well as heat. So you know, similar kind of thing, but I didn't do as much of it as you did. But uh, but yeah, no, I didn't take anything for granted either. That's beautiful. You guys are fully committed. The hardest races in the world. Uh, Andrea, like, tell us more about 
getting to Silverton and, and that sort of stuff well, to start? I have to, I have to just rewind a little bit because watching Bob's finish at, at Badwater and just, you know, how he was so devoted to getting there and it just watching as he fought through obstacles. I told myself as I was, you know, traveling, like, I'm going to do this for Bob. I'm going to get there and, you know, I'm going to face all of these challenges with the mindset of Bob. I mean, seriously, Bob, you were like a huge thought in my mind as I was, you know, headed out there and, and getting ready. But I, I arrived in town. The race started on a Friday morning and I arrived in town on Tuesday because they had a series of events. They have, um, you know, they call it Camp Hard Rock. So they give you the schedule of all these different discussions or, you know, meetups and different things that are happening in town the week before. And so I wanted to really be a part of as much as possible, you know, be a part of the community because Badwater, I mean, I'm, I'm a part of the Badwater family and it is, you, it's part of the reason why it was so hard not to go this summer. You know, you, you watch, you become, I mean, you've been out there, Rob, you know, just crewing it. Like it's you amazing. Feel that, yeah. It's just such a, a camaraderie and a brotherhood when you're there. And I don't feel connected to Hard Rock in that way. And, you know, going into a race, you know, I, I wanted to feel a part of the community as much as possible. So mm -hmm. getting there early was my way of trying to get in touch with, you know, what it meant to be a Hard Rocker. I, I ironically, I turned down some pretty fun meetup opportunities just because of family and everything going on. Um, did you have the opportunity to meet some pretty good runners out there? Or yeah. I mean, I was Killian, um, Killian well, specifically I, so Courtney. I, I did <laughs> Killian. Um, I was staying in the same hotel as Francois. So wow. he and I shared cool. like a living room space area, but I didn't like hang out in there with him or anything. You heard him but, snoring. You're like, dang it, no. <laughs> dude, keep it down. Knocking no, on the wall. They did come and tell me to be quiet. I'm like, what, I'm loud? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that for some reason. <laughs> oh, man. But um, the, they had a women's, um, a women's forum, which was really neat. So uh, Gina from Trail Sisters reached out. There were 27 female starters this year. And so she reached out to all of the all of us and invited us all to come to this, you know, women's discussion. And, and the, she wanted all of us to be on a panel. Well, so I replied to her and I said, you realize I've never done hard rock before. So what could I really possibly bring to the table? Because I'm not a finisher. And she said, no, no, no it's, it's a come it's on. discussion about female Andrea. and sport in general. Well, but I've got to tell you, Rob, there's like it's intimidating. This this race, it, it was to me, the the hardest race, not, not to say that Badwater is not hard, it's different hard. You know, I, right. this was the hardest race with the most like blocks working against me that I've, I think I've ever walked into. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask one quick question and then Bob, sure. you have to get us all the way to the, to where Andrea did hard rock. When we were in the van, which is in the book, Going to UTMB. <laughs> yes. Uh, where were you mentally relative to when you're getting to Silverton? You know, so mentally in the van going to UTMB, I had just come off of, like that was in 
2018. So like 2016, I had done the Grand Slam of Ultra. You know, 2017, I had, you know, another, you know, I had done Badwater and finished Badwater and a good year of racing. 2018 was still like, it was turning out to be a, a great year of racing. I had just finished, um, you know, Vol State and had a great race there. And mentally, like, I mean, it was a big race and super intimidating, but I felt really confident that I was going to finish, but I was scared of like how much climb there was going to be, you know, because I had, tr I had trained for mostly flat stuff for Vol State and then immediately had to shift my training. But like, I, had awesome. to, I you know, but I felt like I'm going to finish this, you know, going into this one where I, I, I know that I can finish. Like, I just still know that I can finish. There was still just so many like underlying issues that could come up. It was like, wow, I'm really walking into like a shark tank of, just craziness right like what's gonna happen so you went from confidence to like covid kicking you in the butt probably like oh kick, big time. kick me in the butt and then took everything <laughs> out like i was going i was having just year after year of multi-racing and you know excellent successes um you know and then covid hit and there's like no racing and not the same motivation to train and not and not this you know it just I put on some weight. I'm, I definitely am slower. Like all of these things are happening. And so the, and the last hundred miler I had finished was my qualifier the year before at cruel jewel, which was a lot of climb, but not at altitude. So, you know, it's just, it's just different. It's like, I felt like the momentum of my, my really solid racing had, it was definitely broken. Hmm. And what, which is so, hard. So, so what happened? Where did, kind of the wheels fall off or how were you doing you know once you got started uh, obviously being being nervous at the beginning did it did it go well at first did you did you fall you get into a groove did you relax a little bit and then what well, happened i mean based on my training i knew that i was going to be in the mid to back of the pack like i knew it you know so all of my all of my predictions they say you know you only need a 28 minute per mile pace so essentially like you know two miles an hour how hard <laughs> it cannot be right you know yeah and so i went into it with my crew like okay well so really what i want to focus on is like a 25 to 26 average right and if i do that then i'll have plenty of time in the bank for some of those later miles and knowing that you know i'm going to go through two nights and so i just thought do not go out too hard do not go out too fast you know keep your breath about you focus on fueling, focus on hydrating. Cause Bob, as you know, and you too, Rob, if you do not do the right thing early, like to catch up and make up for those mistakes early on, it's like, it's so much harder. So yeah. I felt like I was keeping up on everything really well. Um, and I, I didn't start feeling sick till mile 30, which I thought was great. These, these are miles where Killian's like Killian has the course record for like this mile and it's like a 15 minute mile just just for background like this is like I, I can't really explain the climbs involved in what she's talking about but so I'm going to take a back step Bob this is your interview from here on out <laughs> it's just crazy if you've been there it's wild <laughs> the thing is is that just so fucking beautiful for one like yeah. you know you're just in awe constantly i was moved to tears 
various points of the race just because I got to a certain point, looked out and thought, I am so incredibly lucky to be in this moment, in this place mm-hmm. right now. And one of those times was like right after I had been vomiting and I was asking God, like, why, why do I have to keep vomiting? Please, can you just take it easy on me? And I looked out and saw the most incredible sunset. And I was like, okay, God, I understand. You wanted me to look behind me for a second. I get it. Okay, but <laughs> can we lay off the vomit for a while, please? You know? <laughs> but it, it is. It's like the climbs in some sections are just... And the descent are so technical and so jacked up that you you have to take such care of your footing or it could go really wrong for you in many ways. Um, And, you know, and then it's like you get to the top of a climb and and you really want to benefit from the descent, maybe something that is runnable, but you're just so tired. You're just, you know, you're just so taxed from how heavy you've been breathing that whole climb up and, and then there's no air. Right. So it's sure. just, it's, it's a hard race. Um, and I was on pace and everything was going seemingly well, even managing, you know, my getting sick, which I don't think was altitude sickness. I really think I still haven't figured out my fueling and hydration yet. After all this time, I still have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, don't ask me for advice because I have no idea. Hey, Andrew, um, <laughs> to interrupt, I'm, I'm in exactly the same boat, believe it or not. What it's, the it's, hell? It's, it's very hard. This is beautiful, guys. People that Elaborate, that please. all figured out, I'm like, tell me what you're doing. And when they do, I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's what I'm doing, but it's not working for me. You know? <laughs> There's no single equation, right? And No. And no. it, and there's so many course variables, like it's always changing. Even if you have an equation that works on one race, might not even come close, right? Well, right. I mean, as the temperature changed in Colorado, I mean, we'd have, you know, as, as I was coming out of Telluride, all of a sudden I'm getting uh, hailed on and, you know, the temps are changing and, you know, thunder and lightning are coming in and, you know, and I'm just, happy to be under tree line at that point. But then, you know, the next day it's all of a sudden like blazing hot. And so you, your body is also going through all these changes and imbalances as the weather's changing, sure. which is also what makes bad water so hard. Just being in the thick of that heat all the time, what you think, you know, in training at home, you're not sweating the same in the sauna. You're not <laughs> like nothing. It's just not the same. Yeah, no, you're right. And of course, there you're at Badwater, you're running through two nights, not just one. Right. And, um, so you're right. Every race is completely different in that respect. Yeah. So anyhow, at the end of yeah. the day at Hard Rock, when when I was hitting those latter miles, I knew I was getting really close to cutoff, but I still in like everything in my mind said, I'm going to finish it. I kept telling everyone at the aid stations, I'm going to go kiss that rock. I'm going to go kiss that rock. Mm. And I just underestimated how technical the last say, you know, 15 miles of the course would be. Now I didn't get to see the last 10, but the six mile section where I ultimately ended up DNFing, I had six miles and two and a half hours to do it. And it was a section that had more descent than ascent. And I'm really good at running downhill. And so I I just was like, yeah, this is in the bag. I got to deal with those difficult climbs. And then I'm just going to, you know, power through and get my turnover. And once I do that, I'll hit the next aid station and then I'll deal with the next, the next section before the rock. 
And right. the climbs were so intensely uphill and straight up the side of a mountain. You couldn't even just like power hike and, and get into a groove. You were, you know, tripping on your footing and rocks falling between your feet and, you know, sliding. And then the descent was just as bad. And so it was a point where I just, I couldn't, I just could never get any turnover or gain any momentum. And so all of a sudden I only had 30 minutes left and two miles to go. And I'm looking out at this like string of darkness, but all I see from my headlamp are glowing, you know, flags in the far distance. And my pacer said to me at that point with 30 minutes left to cut off, do you want to back off the pace now? Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I might not make it. And he, and I said, no, I don't want to back off the pace until the clock hits exactly the time of the cutoff. I'm going to flatline it. I'm going to push as hard as I can because I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to go up that next climb and it's going to be right there. That's you know, why you're like, that's why you're on right? this podcast right now. Well, that's beautiful. Just, it's amazing. But just like Bob, right? Like never give up until the, the very end that all of a sudden, OK, you know, based on what I'm doing right now, I'm not going to make it to the finish. And he could have just gone in the car and said, no but you just don't know. And if he had gotten in the car, he would have always wondered, right? And if, yeah. if I hadn't have pushed as hard as I could until that, that minute struck over, like I would have always wondered, like what if I had gotten over that next hump and the aid station was right there, I would have forever beaten myself up because I hadn't given 110%, yep. you know? Again. Was Cunningham or Chapman, I, I can't remember the name, First yeah. or last? I, I can't remember. Cunningham was the last aid station. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Uh, the very last possible aid station <sighs> before the rock. Yeah, and, that climb uh, I've done on fresh legs after that aid station, and holy, okay. holy moly. And this is where being a rookie, like, this is where being a rookie and never going there. Shame on me, right? I've wanted to get into this race for years knowing how badly I want this finish, I really should have gone to Silverton at some point and hiked some of these trails. Oh my God, really that climb. Have. No, no, there's, there's an argument for the other side. Like well, you're excited to see what's new and fresh. You've done so many true. races. Like don't, that's don't beat true. yourself up on that front, but that, well, that climb after that a station, you cross a river and go up, uh, I was camping right there, fresh volunteering, well, so and it's crazy steep. <laughs> so I came down the hill into Cunningham. I, I mean, there's hills on both sides. Yeah, yeah I, that's true. I, <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah, I know where you are. <laughs> yeah, so I went from Maggie Gulch, um, and Maggie Gulch is where I had the um, the six miles left to go to Cunningham, and my because I was going to switch pacers at Cunningham. And my pacer, Sean, he's waiting down there with the um, aid station captain. And the aid station captain starts calling on the radio, we're going to need a ride for bib, blah, 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 and 156. And Sean is like, um, no, 156 is my runner, and I'm here. And, you know, he's looking at his watch, and he's like, she still has plenty of time. He's like, she, you don't know this girl, she's going to make it. And he's like, mm, I've been doing this a long time, and she's not going to make it. And he's like, no, 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 seriously, you don't know this girl like I do. And he looked up at the hill and he goes, if she does not crest that corner in three minutes, there's no way she's going to make it down. He's like, oh, no, no, she's like a really fast downhill runner. And this guy's like, Killian doesn't run this downhill. 
he walks it because that's how technical this section is. Like he's not running it. You will fall to your death here. <laughs> you, it, no, but it's true. You miss your footing up top, like two feet to the right um, yeah. for where you were going and you literally would fall to your death. That's right. Down, yeah. to, the, to, yeah. down to the road. And yeah. as I was, after I knew I DNF and I was coming down to that aid station in that section, I kept falling. I fell multiple times and I was just like, holy shit. This is, and it's dark, you know, so I don't even like, I'm, you know, got my headlamp and everything. And I'm almost kind of glad because I think had my light been on and I had seen even how sketchy it was because sometimes being in the dark in certain sections is actually a benefit. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. you know? yep. So, um, so anyway, you know, I just, I underestimated how technical that last section would be. And I should have made, I should have pushed a little harder in the front end. So I had more time in that section, but really I, I was running the race according to my plan and everything was going really well until I, until it wasn't. <laughs> yep. Boy, I'll tell you, do I hear that? I mean, that's, that's ultra running. It sure is. Yeah. I had a couple of, a couple of instances in, in, in Badwater where I kicked myself afterwards where I probably shouldn't have taken quite as long a break as I did because I did take a couple of breaks during the race. Um, I only, I only slept. I slept for 20 minutes. I took one nap. That's it. But um, my, because of my feet mainly and my back bothered me a little, I did stop a couple of times and had I, you know, had I cut 20 minutes off the earlier break time, I would have made the finish in 48 hours. So you, you can always kick yourself about those things, but Hey, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. And, you know, there's arguments on the other side, too. If you don't give yourself the time to rest, then you may have been, you know, in zombie land and falling over and not be, you, not been able to keep certain pace. Exactly. So you yeah, wouldn't have been running. You would have right? been you know, dragging. So it's, it's this very, it's just, it's such a, a, a delicate dance that we play, right? You know, it's this, it's this funny little game of, of elements and surprise and you just never know what's going to hit you but but at the at the finish of every race whether you finish or not you always go over all of those footsteps and figure out how you could have done it better right sure. if you finish you're like how can i do it faster if you don't finish you're like what do i need to do to finish <laughs> yeah no, and I, I, yeah you know and and the, the i still i think that's the part that gets me so wound up about hard rock is going into the race. I knew it was going to be hard, but I believed with all in my heart and my soul that I was going to finish. I mean, I had talked to my coach about the mental strategies for keeping myself positive. I was kissing a picture of the rock on my phone for a full month <laughs> leading into the race to visualize what it would be like. I mean, seriously, like the, the mind trickery I'm playing on myself, right? Kept telling everyone, I'm going to kiss the rock. I'm going to kiss the rock. So when the reality hit, when I was only about, you know, two miles out from that, aid station that I really wasn't going to make it. It was like, it, it was like, what? Yeah. You aren't speaking a language I'm understanding right now. Can you please translate? Because I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, Andrew, I love can it. you imagine um, if you were to get in again, that now that you have some course knowledge, would you, first of all, would you do it again? And secondly, are you more convinced than you were before this one that you would be able to finish because of what you've, what you learned this time around? <laughs> So I'm obsessed with getting in. <laughs> um, the, the hard part about this race is 
it's so hard to get into. It, it took me five years to get in this time, which is really nothing compared to other people. I mean, Aunt Ange, Angela Chartel, it took her 12 years to get in. Mm. So, you know, I think that the DNF would be easier to swallow if I knew that next year I'd have the opportunity to go back and seek redemption. But, you know, we're playing this game of time also. What will my physical abilities be in another five or 10 years when I finally maybe get to take the start line, if ever again, right? Yeah, and right. Um, so, yes, 100%, I want to go back. And, you know, and I, I still believe that I could finish that race. Um, I, I want to go back next summer if I'm not in the race as a, a participant. I want to go back there and, you know, and run and hike parts of the course and put myself in that environment a bit more. And there are some things I'd do differently in training, for sure. What about you, Bob? Do you, I mean, I'll, I'll start off with, do you, do you, do you consider your, your race this year a DNF? And then as a follow-up, if Chris is generous enough for, or the committee, I guess, it allows you in next year, are you going to do it? Well, I, I technically it's a DNF, but again, there, there are other reasons why I feel okay about it. Uh, I, you know, and that's kind of a stupid thing to say because no one's ever okay with a DNF, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to go back next year other than to crew somebody or to work on his staff, but would I ever go back? You know, I mean, I, I joked to him, I spoke to him last week and I joked to him that, uh, keep a slot open when I'm 80 cause I'm going to be back. Nice. And, um, and I was, I, I <laughs> was, but I was only half kidding. You know, I mean, I'm actually mm-hmm. crazy enough that I, I would, Andrew, like you, I absolutely think I could, I, I could finish within the allotted time. Absolutely. Oh, I know you can. I know you can. So if my, if my, if my back is, does not become a, a permanent issue, then I'll be able to, um, deal with that in training. And I would absolutely consider coming back. On the other hand, you know, only a hundred people can run that race, and uh, I don't want to take up a slot unless I absolutely know that uh, I'm going to, or know as, you know, as much as I possibly can that I'm going to finish. So next year, no, but two, you know, three years from now, I'll be eighty. So maybe we'll see. I, you know, let's see where what's happening, and let's be, you know, if I'm on the side of the grass, hopefully I'll still be moving around, and we'll see. You know, I, I think that as as endurance athletes and ultra runners, saying never is is foolish yes you know there we all have this this sickness of needing a certain amount of challenge and thrill in our lives and you know unfortunately when you go after you know extraordinary big goals that scare you there's always the possibility of of that failure which stings right but boy i i can't imagine living my life in a state of mediocrity where i just sit here and do nothing I love it. Yeah, I yeah, totally agree. So I got to ask you guys both like one or two more questions here. I'll start with Bob. Did you hallucinate at all during your race? You know, what's really weird is no, I did not. Um, And usually if I don't, if I get, if if I don't get any more than 20 minutes, 20 minutes of sleep. Wow. But I did not hallucinate during this race. Andrea? Did you see anything funny out there in Silverton? Like I had some crazy, gnarly hallucinations, but none this time. None. Yeah, some of the best races I've had during (laughs) longer distances. Like, if you're on point, you're on point. You guys nailed it. Yeah, Um, it's so weird. 
Andrea, what was the first thing that you were craving in Silverton? Like pizza, ice cream, a beer? What what did you crave <laughs> food-wise, recovery? Um, oh, recovery? Yeah, I mean, beer. I usually go dry for months leading up to my big races. So um, on the flip side, once I'm done racing, I usually drink a little. I drink a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're honest. And I have to say, like, I'm still in that (laughs) post-race mentality. mentality, I I need to reel it in real soon. Hey, recovery takes a while. Come on. (laughs) Well, hey, I I don't go dry before a race. So um, he actually reverse taper. Yeah, Yeah. but I did did have a, a nice beer in Silverton before the race. I was like, you know, I've. I put in the work and, and, you know, having a beer is not going to, you know, change my, my race any. So I'll just, you know, I sat and I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed the town. And they have cool bars. They have cool bars down there. Like yeah, it's but everything closes so early when that last train leaves town. Like if you're hungry, you better think about that because everything yeah. shuts down. <laughs> just trying to find a shower for me was crazy. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seriously was. Um, without having a hotel room and volunteering oh, out there. Yeah. yeah. Bob, what, what was your gravitation after your, I, I can't even imagine the dreams you had after that experience, but. Uh, yeah, they, you know, you've heard of the nightmare on Elm street right now. So, <laughs> uh, so as I'm, as I'm coming up Whitney road, there was a photographer, a videographer who was shooting for, uh, national geographic and outside magazine, I think. And he was following me a long way and shooting me quite a bit. And at one point he said to me, if you finish this thing, I'm buying you a beer. And you know, there is the Whitney portal store right there at the finish line. So as soon as I finished and crossed the line, I sat down in a chair. Two seconds later, this guy, Don was there with a cold one. And that, nice. so I didn't have to wait and wish it was already in my hand. Nice. <laughs> That's the true story on, on what, what drove you to the finish line. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Finishing, finishing while that is open is always like a goal of mine because, you know, having a beer and a burger from there is like a dream come true. Or, you know, if you end up finishing in the early hours, they're pancakes. If you've never been to the portal, get there and eat there because it's amazing. Yeah, Lone Pine, too, just in general. Is, it, it's a fun area. Oh, I love it. I mean, Silverton, so too. To have it so close. I'm- See, Silverton's not as close for me, so, you know, but it was a very neat town. I, I definitely need to spend more time out in that in that area. All right. Yeah, I've, been to, I've been to Leadville, and I haven't run the race, but I've run Trans Rockies and spent time in Leadville, but I've never been to Silverton. I have to put that on the short list of places to visit, if not race. It looks. Oh, my gosh. It, you will absolutely love it there. Andrea, doesn't it look like the Swiss Alps? Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah, the I mountains know. are just different there. <laughs> it, well, and cool. right now, because of, of the, the storms that they've had recently, the blooms, the flowers yeah. were popping. I mean, the place was just colorful. Every color of the rainbow was represented in those fields. It was just so... Uh, okay, gorgeous. so before I forget to say this, if either of you guys do a race, I want to put every effort into coming and supporting you guys. 2023, regardless of what races you get in, let me know. Yeah. 
I, I really, and even if we have to all combine forces and, um, well, Rob, I believe that on our last call, we made a commitment to get to Florida at some point and race with race Bob. That was, that was the plan. I I think we, I unfortunately didn't qualify for bad water because I DNF Leadville and it was a whole cascading effect. Um, (laughs) well, we'd love, we'd love to have you guys come down, you know. I just, I don't know if you know, so Keys 100, my big race is in May, but I've also just taken over as a race director for Daytona 100, which is in oh, cool. December. Oh, cool. I saw that. Congrats. And, um, That's awesome. It's ve- very flat, very fast, and you don't have to worry about hot weather. It's uh, it's going to be a fun race. I've made some changes that I think are going to make it really be uh, a lot of fun. So If, if Andrew's in, I'm in. We'd love to have you anytime. Yeah, if Andrew's in, I'm in. Yeah, we should definitely. I'll put you on the spot. Online. I know. I would, <laughs> yeah, I just need it. I can't commit without like looking at the calendar. I'm know? totally <laughs> joking. You have, <laughs> but I would, to- but I want to. Um, Don't well, me with a good time with some suffering. Totally. Yeah, hey, reach out. Dave, let me know if you can make it. That'd be great. We'll we'll talk about it. And if not okay. this year, maybe some other time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I want to finish with one last question for both of you. Best memory from your quote unquote DNF, Andrea. I'll start with you, Bob. I want to finish with you. What is the best memory of your race that no one will know except for you, unless you share it here? Wait, who's going first? You. (laughs) Don't buy time that way. No, this is quick. Quick, don't think. No, I'm kidding. So um, the the best part of this race for me was um, the feeling of love. So I put on Facebook just a quick note saying, Hey, Facebook friends, you know, if anyone wants to send a letter to me, my crew would be happy to read it while I'm hitting low spots. And I gave an email address. And so, um, people sent emails and, uh, my crew read them to me and the, the things that people shared with me were things that people probably don't say about you unless they're saying it at your eulogy, like for a eulogy at your funeral. I mean, no, seriously, it's, it's, it was like, it was the kind of thing that they, they were sharing with you what your impact was on their life. And you don't hear people say those things normally. They're like, oh, you know, just kind of more surface. And I was floored. I was blown away. And I just, I, I've never felt more loved. And I just, as I was running the race, I, I just knew that like people were praying for me and sending me, you know, well wishes and good energies. And that part, I just never felt like alone because of that. You know, I just felt completely surrounded by love. And for, for that alone, the journey was worth it. Beautiful. What a great idea. Yeah. What a great idea. You know, slight, slightly differently. Cause I didn't have the, well, I didn't have the forethought to reach out for those, you know, and ask people to get in touch. Um, but during the race, there were so many people around, um, other runners, other crews, and then towards the end, just people that were waiting to kind of cheer me in that I kind of felt that same support and affection as well, really and truly, just uh, slightly different, but it was just because it was phys- physically people being out there. But, my God, it was uh, – it just – it, it was so heartwarming and so gratifying. Um, you know, it, it was, it was incredible that, so the emotion was very similar. Was there one comment as you're working towards the finish line that sticks out in your head that just 
for whether it be intentional or not, just sticks in your head as like you're putting a hundred percent to get to the finish line. Was there one comment? I'm going to, I'm, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to share with you something that happened. That was probably the most extraordinary thing that's ever happened to me. Certainly, certainly at a race. Um, I'm going to read you a note that was handed to me at the finish line. As soon as I sat down and, you know, Luke uh, did what he had to do. And then people started coming up one at a time and shaking my hand and that kind of stuff. This woman came up to me and who I didn't know, I don't think she was a runner and handed me a piece of paper that was folded. And she said, please take this and promise me you'll read it later. So I did. And it was, I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you and I have not shared this publicly, but I'm going to read it to you now because it absolutely answers your question. And it reads, I have been looking for some reason to stay alive. As I watch you make it up the hill, I told God, if you made it to the finish line, I promise to live a hundred more days, then take it from there. It was astounding. And I just, you know, was, was that race DNF and all worth it? This note made, made it all worthwhile. The most amazing experience of my life. You know, I'm so glad you shared that note because I think that, you know, having something like a DNF is hard for us to swallow, right? You know, it's it's yep. hard to put everything you have and it's not just race day, it's everything leading up to it and the commitment the family's made to getting you there and everything, but even in our perceived failures, like we keep someone else going and my gosh, Bob, that's incredible. Isn't it? Yeah. I, I'm still having trouble not crying every time I read it. Likewise, hearing that is amazing. Well, I appreciate you guys both. Um, please stay in touch, as always. And we got to do this more than once a year, okay, guys? None of this once a year after Bob always crushes some amazing effort at Badwater. Uh, all of us, we need to uh, stay in better touch and... Bob, thank you for sharing that. Andrea, thank you for all your good insights for your race. And uh, we'll end it on that because I'm tearing up. (laughs) Yeah, there's not much more you could say after that. (laughs) And that was episode 212. You guys know the sponsors. Exoskin, Tannery Outdoors. Check them out. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Most importantly... Don't forget to enjoy your training. I'm home. The clock is ticking at midnight. I keep on watching the time pass by. But I just can't walk.